Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors, and welcome back. I'm so happy to be with you today as we take a look at either pro broke or going broke. And our guest today, and I'm going to slaughter his name, I'm sure, is Shmuel Segel. And Shmuel is a established commercial real estate advisor and broker at Westmac Commercial Brokerage. His extensive experience in commercial real estate and rigorous military background and inherent business sense adds a level of detail and depth to his role in serving his clients. We are glad to have you with us, Shmuel. So take us into the show and share an experience that helped you to be who you are today. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here you and your audience. When you asked me that question, the first thing that came to mind is responsibility and the amount of control we have over our lives. And I think sometimes we forget that. We think the world will take us in different places. And something that reminded me of that was during the time in the military, when you always realize how much control you can take back. And even when things go bad, even when things don't go the way you want to, you can always sit down, reevaluate, make decisions and take control back. And the amount of control we actually have over our lives is much more than anybody even realized. And it really is goes back to us. That is something very important to me. And I strongly do believe in it. And especially now, I mean, I don't know when people will watch this, but in a tumultuous economy and everything is kind of going all over the place, we're always thinking the market will kind of dictate, but we always dictate. Opportunity always exists and you can always find great opportunities anywhere. Always remember, take control. We control our lives. Well, Shmuel, you mentioned a military experience and that sense of being out of control and finding your way to take control of that. Can you give us a specific example of what it is you're referring to? I used to do military arrests. We do that a lot because you want to find people before they find you. So... In times, without sharing too much information, you want to capture somebody, we call it a subject. Because in the military, they never tell you who this person is or what they did or why he's being arrested. The reason for that is that you never have too much emotional attachment to the job. It's just a mission. You need to get the person to the interrogation, to the FBI, to whoever it may be. That's your job. And I had a situation once where things kind of went out of control because we went into a house and he wasn't there. And then we were like, okay, how do we locate this person now? And we were already, it, it's already, what was it? We got to do it at nighttime and morning was coming. You can either say, oh my God, everything is kind of all over the place. Or you can come and say, okay, this is what's happened. This is what we need to do. What are we going to do to achieve this? Replan repurpose. Let's go. Well, thanks for sharing that example there. Life does take us in all kinds of different ways. And one of the amazing things, of course, about humans is our ability to adapt. And we have a huge frontal cortex in which we are blessed to have that gives us the opportunity to look at things and to reevaluate them. Shmuel, tell us about reality checks and why that's important to us as real estate investors. Reality check is super important because I think we sometimes completely lose a sense of reality because we go after trends. And if somebody just goes after a trend, and you're just a first level thinker and not a second level thinker, you're going to lose the investment acumen. 
the business acumen that you need to become a good investor, to find good deals. What is a good deal today? And you need to ask yourself what your investment thesis would be. Everybody has their own criteria of what a good investment would be. But something that I've seen, and it baffles the mind, is some, you would want to go and purchase a multifamily building. And yet, when prices are so high and buildings are overpriced, single-family homes, I went to see a single-family home, even though I'd mostly commercial, but I wanted to see what that market looks like. I saw a house. It was, there were no walls, no roof, no fixture. It, it was basically just an empty shell. There was not even a kitchen in this house, and they were selling it for $750,000, wow. and it closed for eight hundred ninety. And yeah, that's, and it, it was baffling to the mind. Another reality check that I think a lot of investors need to look at themselves is a deal is a deal. And when I send somebody a deal and they say, oh, is it on the market? They say, of course, it's a market. It doesn't know I only want off-market deals. What does that mean? If you only want off-market deals because you've already seen all the deals on the market, fine. But if this is a deal you have not seen yet and you don't want to look at it because it's on the market, because you only want to see off-market deals, you need a reality check. And I'll explain to you why. Because off-market deals, their core, where they began has been that there would be a seller and he would not want to publicize his distress need to sell because he needs to make it happen now. And if it would go to market, everyone would take advantage of it. So he would do an off-market deal, just direct, and that's it, make a close. But today, off-market has become a lucrative investment. Like, oh, this is off-market. Oh, it's exclusive. Oh, nobody knows about this deal. The problem is, one, thousands of people probably do because it's not actually off-market, it's just not marketed has a marketed deal second is it's usually overpriced because it's off-market so if you're supposed to be getting a bargain for an off-market deal today you're going to get a much more expensive deal because it's off-market <laughs> it makes no sense to me so reality check look at the deal don't look at what's around it you know look at the deal and see its components and see what you could do about it to if it's attractive or not that's my two cents on this topic well that makes perfect sense to me i've been a retail broker and we see the same thing with for sale by owners they never are a good deal they are always overpriced and i think one reason people go do not want to go through a broker and they want to do the for sale by owner is they think well they don't have to pay the commission and the other thing is i think they just don't want to listen to the broker who's going to tell them what their property is worth in the market and of course as a for sale by owner they can set their price at whatever they want to set it at. But yeah, I see that in retail and I'm sure it happens in the commercial markets as well. Tell us about the due diligence processes in conjunction with working with our brokers on due diligence. Due diligence is super important. You can get a property after you buy it and it could go down in value immensely because you did not conduct. So if you did not conduct due diligence correctly, the due diligence process is so critical when it's coming when it comes to buying a property. And you can already start the due diligence process way ahead of time. So when it comes to contingencies and I see a short-term close, I say to myself, you really need to check this property. If this is a 10-day contingency period is not enough if it's a bigger acquisition. And people tend to not do the process like they should. And the due diligence process should include checking every single room, every single suite, every single unit. It should include using letters from tenants, making sure that everything, estoppel letters, what we call them. It should include walking at the property at all times, going there at 2 a.m., at 3 a.m., at 4 a.m., see what's happening around the property. I know properties of people, especially today in Los Angeles, the homeless problem. 
You want to see if there's a homeless problem at that property. You want to see what's happening over there. You want to know if you're buying an office building, if the AC is running overnight, if the air conditioning is running over the weekend. This is stuff that could be very expensive. You need to know what's happening at the property and you need to know every single bit about it. And as a broker who is either buying with the client or selling and representing an, an owner, you should be the master of the property. You should be the student of that property. Know everything about it. Know when the roof was built, where it needs to be replaced, the maintenance. One thing that people miss on is service companies. If the landlord has contracts with specific service providers and they are very expensive and you're coming into that deal, you're going to have to continue using that because it's a a long-term contract with it. And if they're expensive, you should ask for a return on that money so that you don't have to pay these expensive people that he's signed a contract with for a very long period of time. But there's tons and tons and tons of due diligence. I know we talk about due diligence all day long, but the idea is understand the property really well and every single thing about it. I do recommend anybody who buys multifamily, walk every single unit, every single one. Look at it, see what's in there, see what's going on. There has been stories of units that were combined by tenants, the landlord in mind. There was a time that I did a deal the landlord was using the unit as a storage place. It looked like it looked terrible. And we asked the landlord, when are you planning to move all your stuff out? He's like, oh, you know, take my time, but that's one less unit they actually use. And mm-hmm. sometimes you can see, wait a minute, you're saying rent roll is 10, but you're using one for storage. How does that make sense? What's going on? You can find out a lot of things when you want to. I think a lot of people, they go into a deal, you don't want to find out something bad. You're so convinced that it's a good deal. Oh, you know, you got on the contract. You have the investor money if you're a syndicator. You have all the due diligence really going for you. Everything is great. But all of a sudden something can come up. No, 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 I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. But that's where problems start. And that's where investors can fail. Well, Shmuel, this kind of surprises me. Coming from a broker, I mean, any broker you talk to is going to say it's important to do due diligence. But there's this idea anyway out there in the industry that if you're doing this due diligence, and of course you come back with different things that aren't apparent within that first look at that and your first offer on that, you are going to expect a reduction in price. And there's this concept or this idea that investors who are doing this start to get a bad name with brokers because brokers don't want to deal with people who are going to essentially what they are saying is reneging upon that initial contract. Retrade. Yeah. So is that a concept? Is that a reality? Or if you are it's, really... If I you understand just, the question. It's definitely a reality with brokers. We hate retraders. The question is, why are we trading? Did I hide something for you? Did I not do my due diligence? Me as a broker, my job would be to present everything as it is. And if I know that those need, as a broker, if I'm going to represent an owner and I know that the roof needs to be changed, I will need to deduct that off of the price. And if I'm smart, I will already have gone out and went out to three contractors and already have the bid ready to go. So whenever an offer comes in, I'll say the original price would have been 6 million, we reduced it to 5.8 million because it will cost $200,000 to put in a new roof. And these are the contracts that I've spoken to. And these are the bids that you can actually use. If you want to use something cheaper, great. If you want something more expensive, there's no need. That's what a good broker 
done. If I present a property to a buyer and the roof needs to be replaced, it's like, I'm not going to buy a building with a crazy bad roof. I want $200,000. I won't be able to blame them because there's a good reason behind it. I always tell when I used to work out with buyers, I used to say, they used to tell me, oh, we can negotiate, we can lowball. I would say it's not about lowball. As long as you can justify the price that you're offering, that's great. People will look at it. If you're just trying to lowball, if you're just trying to be a good negotiator, if you're just trying to take as much as you can and just be a hog, that doesn't work. But if I'm offering a property in a three cap, when all the properties in the area are offering a five cap, I mean, that's just a bad job on the broker side. And if the prices are justified, I would do you, I would think somebody would do me a favor if they brought in the correct price and say, I'm willing to buy a tax because this is what the market is dictating. This is how much I could take on. This is the risk. This is what's happening. These are the tenants. That's the credit rating. That's the building. It's a C building and a B area. Fine. It really depends. But it, I think there's a difference between somebody retrading because they would just want to get a better deal or because it's justified and things were kind of uncovered while you negotiate. Say, listen, you didn't tell me all this information. This does bring down the value. This is why I think it's fair that we bring down the price. So it really kind of depends upon the motivation of the buyer in terms of whether they are, they're offering a price to get the property under contract and they know good and well that they're going to retrade, as you put it there, as opposed to a person who is going out there and making a legitimate offer for what they think the property is really worth and then they do their due diligence and things that weren't apparent to start to appear. A very different kind of attitude and approach there. How do you as a broker determine which is which? Is it just from reputation or do you have a sense of what's going on when the persons are making offers? It really depends. Again, I mean, I know it's the most annoying answer in the book and it depends, but it really does because when you see a buyer or one, it's experience. So if you work with these people before and you know they're reputable, which I mean, I've seen reputable companies do very sketchy things. So that's never, you know, it's, it's never a rule of thumb. I recently heard of a deal that just fell through on closing day and it was wow. a mess of thing. Yeah. And it had to do with financing and not being able to get it. I mean, cap rent and interest rates and whatever kind of had a lot to do with it as well, but anything can happen. And it really depends on the person. It also depends on the process. It depends how you represent things. If you know how to represent things as they are and it's earnest, then people will listen to you because it does make sense. You can see it. It's in front of you. If people are just trying to make stuff up because you can also tell it's very evident. Well, Shmi, um, share with our audience how it is that they can take advantage of your expertise and wisdom and how they could get in touch with you. How they could take, well, I think working with a broker is very important. What we do is we speak to landlords, we speak to buyers, we speak to tenants, we have the connections in the industry and we have the market now. And that's critical. And even to use a broker just to get information and to get a conversation going and to learn about each other. I think that's great because we learn from the investors, the investors learn from us. And it's a very small community of learning. And that's one way to really utilize the broker. And eventually, I believe that the more people utilize me, the more they understand the services that I can provide. And then we end up working together because that's what it's all about giving and giving. You end up getting back just by that. Wait, I, I lost the second half of the question. How do we get in touch with you? Okay. Getting in touch with me through my email, through my LinkedIn, through my office. I have a lot of clients that I speak to and they always ask me, why should I use you as a broker? And I say it's two things. One, I'm a professional and I work hard. I have not been in the industry for forever. So I do have 
a lot of derive and what to prove, which is great. I also tell people, some people you just gel with and you love working with each other. Some people you don't. There might be people that will love the way I do things. There might be people that hate the way I do things. And there's so many types of people out there that you could just find a type of person that you like to work with. I have a style and a way of getting deals done. I am much more on the connecting and making sure it's a win-win for all. And I very much enjoy people and giving it all I have. I know a lot of other brokers that are very cutthroat to <laughs> just want to get something done no matter what. And I mean, that is not me. If you want someone like that, then there are people who are like that. So you can really find the range. I really love what I do. I really love serving my clients the best I can. And I do it in the best way possible. And to me, your reputation and your name is the number one thing you have. And when I'm representing a client, his name is also on my shoulder. It's a burden, I, but I know that I could take. So I enjoy it. And you can contact Shmuel through his website at westmac.com. And we'll have this information, of course, in the show notes as well. Shmuel, let's take us back to this second level thinking you had mentioned, the cap rates being so suppressed and prices off the charts, not just in single family, but also in commercial. On top of that, in fact, what are cap rates going for in the Los Angeles area now? Depends on, I, I do want to give credit to Howard Malk, who coined the term first level thinking, second level thinking in his book, the most important thing. Very important to give credit to for that cap rate, it really depends again on the asset type. It depends on the tenant. It depends on the credit rating of that tenant. It depends on so many variables. I'm seeing deals all the way from 3.85 to the fives, right about. You know, people play with pro formas. I hate that. The property is worth what it's worth. I mean, four, four to fives at the moment is kind of like what we're seeing at this moment of time. Well, looking at that from a second level thinking perspective with cap rates in the three to 3.85% to 5% with interest rates at uh, 6% and they're telling us they're going to go higher. How can you make a transaction like that profitable? Is it even possible? It's always possible. It could be very difficult. The second level thinking basically says you need to find something that people did not do or did not think of doing. And there's always been a coin in real estate changing use, changes value. I know a lot of repurposing plays happening. If you look at a multifamily building and they're selling it at $350,000, $400,000, $500,000 unit, and you look at a office building that's the same size and you think to yourself, if I am able to put in $150,000 a unit in renovation and turn it into a multifamily, you already have a great deal because a multifamily costs $350,000. Here you put $150,000 in construction and no construction costs going up. And this is just an example of something that you can do. Those two ways of looking into a property, you have the cash flow of the property. So this is the actual expense that goes into it and the property itself. And between the both of them, you can always add a lot of value. So the cash flow play would be either increase NOI with rent control in California. It's very difficult, but sometimes you can find places that's under rent. The problem with those deals, I will say that it's very important to pay attention to is a lot of times brokers sell those deals on a pro forma basis. Mm. So if my rent roll is below market and there is upside potential and I'm selling it at the upside potential cap rate, I'm not realizing any value. So investors need to pay attention to that because it looks like a phenomenal deal. Then you realize, wait a minute, I already paid for something that I should have realized myself. So pro forma in that respect, as an investor, pay attention to that. Finding value through the building, painting it, adding amenities, 
whatever it may be, repurposing it. It's, there's a lot of opportunities there. A lot of opportunities are coming with short-term leases as well. With retail, that's possible. Repurposing a retail center, putting in better tenants of the property I'm looking at now. I don't want to say exactly what it is because it was going to take my deal away from me, <laughs> but it's prime location. And the place has just been completely, nobody paid attention to it. And so much tender love and care. Mm. And I'm shocked that this could happen. And it does happen. People think to themselves, oh, this could never happen. But it happens all the time in front of us. Just a prime location, center of it all. It looks terrible. And half of it is vacant. And you're thinking to yourself, one block this way, it's beautiful. One block that way, it's beautiful. Here's a shopping center. Why didn't nobody see this? Nobody sees it because nobody's looking. Nobody's looking mm-hmm. because nobody believes that there could be deals to be found. So always be looking. There was a great article that Warren Buffett wrote about baseball and investing. And I, I don't know exactly what it was, but a, like a strike zone. And if you want to get as much hits as possible, you need to really know well, you're hitting or which balls, but it's different in investing because in investing, you don't actually have to swing at the ball every single time. Because if you don't swing three times and you have three good pitches, you're out. But investing, you could just hold until there's a good one that comes in. Then you could even swing on that, but if it's a miss, I mean, you do the due diligence, you could still be fine. It's a great game to play, but always look at opportunity. Look at as many deals as possible that come in. Look at them, check them out, see what's there. Find the opportunity, put them in the underwriting Excel, underwrite it, look at what you can do. Think creatively. What am I seeing that other people did not see? Steve Schwarzman from Blackstone, he wrote in his book, he wrote in his book something very interesting. He said, if you want to do something big, if you want to do, you have to find something that nobody else has done and nobody else wants to take on. Be creative, do something that nobody dared to ever do. That's how you find yourself a great deal. And that's the deal you always talk about. They always say, oh, the deal that I started with was nobody thought of one, two, three. And it's possible, it can happen. Well, yeah, it is. Finding those deals, isn't it? It's always the big dilemma and always a challenge, but always something we're always on the lookout for. And as they say, it can happen in any market. Well, Enlightened Investors, thank you once again for being with us. It's been a delight and I've enjoyed picking the brain of a broker. We don't have too many of those on our show, so it's always nice to hear it from that side of the coin. Shmuel, thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, I loved it. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steve Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steve Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at stevetalker.com. 